It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hi, it's Jamie, progressive number one, number two employee. Leave a message at the... Hey, Jamie, it's me, Jamie. This is your daily pep talk. I know it's been rough going ever since people found out about your acapella group, Mad Harmony, but you will bounce back. I mean, you're the guy always helping people find coverage options with the Name Your Price tool. It should be you giving me the pep talk. Now get out there, hit that high note, and take Mad Harmony all the way to nationals this year! Sorry, it's pitchy. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. R-E-L-A-X. Relax. We're going to be okay. It is time. It is time. I feel like we can run the table. I really do. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for SB Nation. I cover the NFL for FanRag Sports, and you can follow me on Twitter at Peter underscore Bukowski. You can follow the podcast on Twitter at Locked On Packers, and you can find all the podcast content at LockedOnPackers.com. The New Orleans Saints beat the Green Bay Packers on Sunday 26-17 in Brett Hundley's first NFL start. And we're going to get to the reason that Brett Hundley is starting because there were some new reports that came out over the weekend about Aaron Rodgers. But I want to save that for the end because I don't want every podcast to become the Aaron Rodgers update hour. And I I just, I don't want to get bogged down in waiting and parsing and getting weighted down by the minutia of the reporting that's out there. So let's not do that. Let's start with this game. And that means we have to start with Brett Hundley in this offense. Because I know there's been a lot of vitriol out there for Dom Capers. And and look, I have been there with you. I think this defense has failed to advance. I think it's failed to create an identity. We talked about it with Ben Fennell before the year. What does this team do well? What does it want to do well? What does it want to be? And we still don't have an answer for that. And we thought we were getting closer. Some of the young athletic pieces they were bringing in. I don't know what this defense does well, but but let's go and focus on the offensive side for a second because in the first half, Green Bay takes the lead into halftime. They're up 14-7 at halftime thanks to two turnovers by the defense. And if I told you before the game started that the Packers would run for 181 yards and two touchdowns and Drew Brees would throw two interceptions, you would say that the Packers won. And they didn't. Because they went three and out after both turnovers And the offense in the second half was 0 for 4 on third down. One of the reasons why Green Bay's defense was getting gashed in the the second half was because they were gassed in the second half. The New Orleans Saints ran 75 plays in this game. The Packers ran 50. New Orleans was 8 of 13 on third down. The Packers were 4 of 11. 
And this the, 26 points on 11 possessions for the New Orleans Saints. This is not like the Packers were getting gashed. Now, they, the, the Saints scored on all four of their second-half possessions, and they outscored Green Bay 19-3. to But that was as much about the offense failing to come through as the defense giving up plays. Green Bay failed to convert two third ones in the first half when they were running the ball effectively. Couldn't get first downs in critical situations. Mike McCarthy decided to go through the whole first quarter without letting Brett Hundley really do much of anything. And I will say this, Mike McCarthy took up for his first time starter after the game. He took the blame, said, put this on me. Here's Coach Mack. The end of pocket stuff it wasn't, you know, he wasn't comfortable. I think that, and frankly, I was uncomfortable. What I was, you know, probably calling some things. You know, we, we got to kind of find our way there. Um, I needed to do a much better job with him in a, in a drop back passing game. Um, he, he tried to do a little too much and, and try to guard against it, but he's, he's competitive. Um, you know, he made some big, big plays with his feet, and, and you know, we'll grow from that. Well, it was a challenge that I didn't meet today, so he, he, he didn't, he didn't get comfortable in the, in, the, in the pocket, and that's that's my responsibility. So did a poor job coaching. I mean, I passed the game. We, we can sit here and pick it apart all you want. So just uh, let's just blame on the head coach today, okay? Now, some of that was was edited together, but the, the heart of it is all the same. It wasn't cut up in weird ways to twist his words. That is what he said. That is what he said multiple times in the press conference after the game. Put it on me. Okay, coach, it's on you. We talked all last week about all the ways that Green Bay could adapt this offense for Brett Hundley and and why it didn't have to change that much. And you heard Coach McCarthy admit he struggled to call plays. It was weird that in the Vikings game, it seemed much more comfortable. It seemed much more in rhythm, even though Hundley threw a couple interceptions. Again, two incredible plays by the Vikings caused two of those. This game didn't have to look like this, especially with the Packers running the ball as effectively as they did. New Orleans had a 14-minute time of possession advantage. Yes, some of that is on the defense, but an enormous part of that is on the offense's inability to create anything. There was no rhythm. There was nothing easy for Brett Hundley. They didn't go spread very often. They weren't able to hit anything on play action. Where were the core tenants of this offense? Where were the slants? Where are the receiver screens? They have all these pet plays that I hate when Aaron Rodgers is in because it takes the ball out of his hands and, and, and makes it about the receivers getting a block or making a man miss. Where are those plays? They run those with Aaron Rodgers and it's basically a glorified handoff. Why are they not running them with Brett Hundley? What was this game plan? What was the play calling? And, and, and I understand that it's easy to blame the coach. Brett Hundley went 12 of 25 for 87 yards and an interception. That's a three and a half yard average. Third quarterback this season to throw at least 20 passes and finish with under 100 yards. Brian Hoyer and Jay Cutler are the others. There was no continuity, no plan, no execution. This was a game they could have won. They ran the ball well, except for in two critical situations on third down and a number of others. They blocked up well, but there's the the sack fumble. Luckily, they fell on it. The Packers... Mike McCarthy talks about it all the time. Situational football. Green Bay was bad on offense in situational football. You get two gift interceptions. Breeze forces the ball into coverage twice to end drives in Packers territory. And you come away with nothing. You can't spend the whole week talking about how much you trust Brett Hundley 
and how well you thought you prepared and then lay an egg like this. You just can't. It's a bad look. Now, we've seen this offense look disjointed before. It looked disjointed with Aaron Rodgers last year. I mean, this is this is why the I think we can run the table clip is at the top of this show because the Packers had to run the table last year. They had to get their offense together. They'd been playing well on third down. They'd been playing lights out in the red zone with Aaron Rodgers. This was obviously a monkey wrench in all of that. The offense hadn't been great, but it had been good enough. If Aaron Rodgers is healthy, they'd probably win both these games. And we're not having a discussion about the offense. But Aaron Rodgers isn't healthy. We don't know if or when he's going to be healthy. So this is the team. And I expected better for Mike McCarthy. Frankly, the league expected better for Mike McCarthy. And obviously, Coach expected better from himself. Because he was pissed after the game. You could hear it in his voice. And he wanted he wanted to fall on the grenade for his quarterback. And good for him, he should. He said, put this on me. I'm going to take him at his word. It's on you. It's unacceptable. This was a team with Super Bowl aspirations coming in. I hate to bring up Bill Belichick. Because for my money, he's the best coach ever. But they went 3-1 and one with a combination of Jimmy Garoppolo and Jacoby Brissett. And a, and a middling, talented defense. And no Gronk. Without two of their three best corners on a defense that was trash, they locked down an explosive Falcons offense. Now, not explosive this year, but an offense that absolutely destroyed Green Bay. The Patriots locked the Falcons down on Sunday night in the fog. Really good coaching should win you games. If Mike McCarthy is a highly successful football coach, and look, I think he is. I've defended McCarthy at every turn, almost every turn. This was unacceptable. And one of the reasons why I am so disappointed in what we saw on Sunday is because I think McCarthy is a good coach. If I thought he was a bad coach, if I wanted to have him fired last year or the year before, then I would just say, eh, this is just par for the course for McCarthy. No, McCarthy is a good coach. And I know there's there's a lot of fans who don't think so. You look around the league and see the, the teams that scored zero on Sunday. Teams that fancy themselves to be playoff teams with their preferred starting quarterbacks. Teams that did nothing on offense. I understand the Bears got lucky with two turnover touchdowns, but they won a game where their quarterback had as many sacks as completions. The Bears have won three games this year getting essentially nothing out of their quarterbacks. What we saw on Sunday is not acceptable. And I'm talking specifically about the offense. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. The defense, the defense did its best. Two interceptions in the first half, seven points in a half against Drew Brees. Now, I understand that things did not go as well in the second half. But in a game where Aaron Jones goes 17 carries, 131 yards, a touchdown, a 46-yard touchdown run to open the game, Green Bay had it going. They should have been able to move the ball in this game, and they couldn't. Now, I understand the second half looked a lot different. The Saints ran 41 plays. They put up 260 yards and 15 first downs in just the second half. They held the ball for more than 20 minutes in the second half. They only played 30. A two-to-one time of possession advantage in the second half because Green Bay did not convert a single third down. The Saints had the ball for 12 
more than 12 minutes in the fourth quarter. They only play 15. Now, the Green Bay defense did not play well in the second half. I'm not going to dispute that. They didn't. And there were some, some, again, unforgivable mistakes. Getting Breeze to throw to Michael Thomas short of the first down marker and then just forgetting to touch him and letting him get up and run for a first down. Unbelievable. This is the healthiest this team has been all year at every position except quarterback. And it was among, if not the sloppiest game that they've played. That can't be. And that's on the coaches. I, I, I understand the players have to do the thing. The players have to play. But when you see a team consistently play this sloppy, it's on the coaches. Now, they don't, they don't play consistently this sloppy. That's what makes this so frustrating. Now, on defense, okay, defense, there's some issues. Now, we knew coming in, running back was going to be a problem for the Packers in terms of defending. Green Bay has not defended running backs well this year. They did not on Sunday. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara combined for 217 total yards and a touchdown on 40 touches. 5.4 yards per touch. It's not good enough. But one of the reasons why they're able to be so effective is because Green Bay's defense was on the field the whole second half. The Saints were able to wear the Packers down because the offense couldn't generate anything. Anything. I expected better. The good news is Aaron Jones is, is this team's running back. He is the running back. He's the best running back on this team. They need to find ways to get Ty Montgomery the ball because he is still a mismatched weapon. But the, the best running back on this team, the starting running back on this team is Aaron Jones. It was good to get Kevin King back, but he bit on the pump fake that turned into a Brandon Coleman touchdown. He's a rookie, but he's talented. Demarius Randall showed his talent as a cover corner on Sunday. He has talent. In my opinion, he's not being put in the best positions to succeed. This team, on fourth and two, Dom Capers is playing some sort of soft zone against a run call that's a bad play, against a pass call that's a bad play. What are you doing? What is that? It's garbage. There's talent on this team. There is. I know... It's easy to get frustrated. There is talent on this team. And that's what frustrates me. I'm not mad at Ted Thompson. This team is talented enough. I look at a team like the Eagles and I look at Green Bay's roster and I go, there's no way the Eagles are way more talented than Green Bay. They're not. I'd put any team's roster, player for player, talent for talent against Green Bay's roster. This whole idea that they're an untalented roster is bogus. But the coaching staff let the team down. The coaching staff... Let this team down. And the players didn't play well. Let, I mean, let's not let's not take any responsibility away from the players. Brett Hundley did not play well enough. McCarthy didn't give him any help. The offensive line needed to do a better, a better job protecting Brett Hundley at, at certain key points, and it didn't. The Green Bay defense needed to step forward in the second half and get a stop. It couldn't. But Green Bay had a lead for much of this game, most of this game. I thought this game was going to be 27-24. Packers were one touchdown drive short. I didn't think they were going to win this game. If they had won this game, it would have been a stolen win. They didn't. The season's not over. Now, there were reports on Sunday. Two, at first, not necessarily disparate reports. Ian Rappaport reported the Packers, the headline was something like, Packers hand Hunley the ball for the season. Successful surgery for Rodgers, IR, etc., etc. But the Packers expect Rodgers is done for the year. Now, Rob Domofsky had previously reported that there was some optimism in the Packers organization that he could be back, Rodgers could be back by week 15 for Carolina. Adam Schefter then went on to report that the medical staff told the Packers that Rodgers could be throwing in six weeks, which is, by the way, the soonest he could be practicing. So there is some convenience in these reports. Doesn't mean it's not true. 
There have been some independent reports that a, that a, a break like this with a surgery like this means he could have mobility in that shoulder enough to throw in five or six weeks. So that's out there. Then Schefter took it a step further and said, I, I expect Rodgers to have a chance to play the last two weeks of the season. So we've backed off this fastest possible timeline a week. And now 16 and 17 are on the table. Not just on the table, but that is the more likely scenario. Before that report, I thought these things jived. Because you could expect the worst and hope for the best. I said this on Twitter. If there's a 20% chance for rain, you don't expect it to rain, but you understand there's a possibility it could. I'm going to plan as if it's not going to rain. That could have been the sentiment in the organization. And then from there, you need to try and discern, okay, is it 99% he's not coming back and 1% he's coming back? Or is it 80-20? Is it 70-30? Is it 85-15? Where, where is it? Well, we don't know that. Rappaport's report took it a step further and said the Packers would like Don Barkley and Jason Spriggs to come off the IR. Well, if there's a chance that Aaron Rodgers can be back, that's just not happening. The Packers get two IR boomerangs designated to returns. There's no designation anymore. You can just bring them back. And we'll know closer to the time when those players need to be taken off IR whether or not they will be. And we'll have a better understanding then of where Aaron Rodgers is with his progress. I spent a long time trying to figure out who benefits from the reports that he could be back. I don't know. Could that be coming from Rodgers' camp directly? You may remember on, on Tuesdays with Jason, Aaron kept saying he would be back sooner than the timeline for his broken collarbone, and he wasn't. It was six to eight weeks. He thought he'd be back five, six, no, seven. Now remember, the plate could compress the the rehab window. He can be rehabbing sooner, could be throwing sooner. We don't know. But I don't know who it helps to say he could be back sooner. Why would that information be out there? Why leak it? Why tell a reporter that? And why why tell two reporters? What is the benefit to that? Because then, if you take Jason Spriggs and Don Barclay off the IR instead of having Rodgers come back, and it was already out there that the fans thought there was some chance Aaron Rodgers could be back, then you have a mutiny on your hand. What the hell? So this is, it's very strange messaging, and that, and that doesn't mean that this is intentional. I'm being a little cynical, but I'm trying to figure out where these reports are coming from and who to believe. Because at first, there was a way to fit them together, that they could both be true at once. Once Schefter went to... I expect Rodgers to be available or, or had to have a chance to be available. He used some, some more forceful language, but it was, it was still couched in some way. If the doctors are saying he can throw in six weeks and, and that's real and he can throw in six weeks, it's hard to believe he wouldn't be available before the end of the year. Couldn't come off IR until week 15. And obviously if, they're, if the team is six and eight when he's going to come back, you, you just say, okay, Aaron, you're done. That's why it was so disappointing to see what we saw because if these reports are true, and I'm talking specifically about the, the medical reports, about the doctors, and that there's a chance Rodgers can come back. If there is a chance Rodgers can come back, this team has to look more competitive than they looked on Sunday. Offensively. Because we know the defense just isn't ready yet. I think Josh Jones and Kevin King are going to be really good players. They're not ready yet. I think Kenny Clark is, is a monster. He can't do it by himself. He and Mike Daniels. I think Blake Martinez is a good player. I think HaHa Clinton-Dix is a good player. Well, Kentrell Bryce is not. He's an average to below average player with some tools. Demarius Randall is an inconsistent player. He's a playmaker. He's got good instincts. He's going to get he's going to 
screw up too. The defense just isn't quite there yet. And the offense has to be better. If the Packers get replacement level defense, if they continue to get an 18th in DVOA defense, a slightly below average defense, but they have an above average offense, they can win four or five games. But if they get an offense that goes four of 11 from third down and throws for fewer than 100 yards, they're cooked. Can't have it. We will have shows all bye week. I haven't decided yet how those shows are going to look because there is no opponent. So there's, there can be no opponent Wednesday. There's no scouting report. So scouting report Thursday is going to have to be tweaked. It's going to be a different kind of schedule this week, but we are going to have shows at least four times, and then we're going to get back at it with Detroit the following week. I want to remind you about our Pro Football Focus Edge giveaway to be entered to win a Pro Football Focus Edge subscription, which could get you player data, fantasy football tools, grades, charts, all the information that, that you need to, to be an effective fantasy player, daily fantasy. It's all in this subscription. And if you want to be entered, all you have to do is put your name and your Twitter handle in a review of this podcast on iTunes. I hope it's a nice review. Be nice. Be gentle. It's dark times in, in Packer Nation right now. We need to lift each other up. We need to support one another. So please do that. Again, the Packers lose to the New Orleans Saints, 26-17. They're 4-3. and three. They're still in second place in the NFC North. There is a lot of season left. This season is by no means over. The Packers are by no means done. Have you seen the NFC lately? Have you seen the league lately? No one is good. Who's good? Who's good? Don't give up yet. We've got a lot more to discuss. We're going to get deep into an assessment of this team this week, I think. We're going to look at who's playing well, who isn't. And, and frankly, that's going to be hard to do because... Half this team hasn't even played a majority of snaps this year to even talk about how they're playing. But but we're going to do our best. We're going to do a little self-scouting this week. Where are the Packers? What can they do better? We're going to break down this, this New Orleans Saints game in, in greater detail than we would normally because we have the extra week. And we got to fix Brett Huntley, guys. I wrote the whole big piece for, for Acme Packing Company, which you should be reading. Packers didn't seem to do any of it except take a couple deep shots and run the ball. But the core concepts of the offense, they were gone. I don't get it. I don't get it. We're going to figure it out, though. And so is I, so is Mike McCarthy. If he's a highly successful football coach, we're going to see it two weeks from now when they play the Lions. You don't have to wait two weeks to get another Locked On Packers. We're going to be back here tomorrow. Same time, same station. So you have to keep this the same. And stay Locked On Packers. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Is democracy in danger or decline? Condoleezza Rice, William Galston, and Carlos Gutierrez and others take on this question in the fall edition of The Catalyst, a journal of ideas from the Bush Institute. Surveys show Americans place less trust in institutions like the media and business. Others contend America has faced far more challenging periods and emerged strong. Leading policymakers, Bush Institute experts, and respected journalists take on this debate. Read about it at bushcenter.org slash catalyst. Thanks for listening to the Locked On Podcast Network, but why stop now? Check out the daily Locked On Podcast Network for your favorite NBA team. Find it right now in your favorite podcast app and be sure to subscribe or follow so you never miss an episode. 
the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.